my God, that was so great. I knew it was going to be great. I knew it. 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 I, it oh was exactly Honestly. everything I wanted it to be. And welcome to the Politics Girl podcast. I'm your host, Lee McGowan. Let's get into it. Today's pod is a candid conversation with Broadway superstar and television actress, Alexandra Billings. And you might be thinking, well, wait a second, Lee, how does a famous stage and television actress fit into the Politics Girl lexicon? And I'll tell you. Alexandra Billings may be an American actress and singer and teacher, but she's also an incredible activist for the LGBTQIA community and the first openly transgender woman to have played a transgender character on television. Alex was also the first trans actor to portray Madame Morrible in the Broadway production of Wicked, after previously starring in the Manhattan Theatre Club's production of The Nap, where her Broadway debut was called Sensational, and she was deemed a marvel of glamorous menace by the New York Times, which I think is about the coolest description anyone could ever get. Alex was a lead in the award-winning series Transparent and was a reoccurring guest star on The Connors and Never Have I Ever, and is currently starring in the new Amazon series The Peripheral. Alex's awards include the Visibility Award from the Human Rights Campaign, five After Dark Awards, a Joseph Jefferson Award, and a TPA and Rainbow Spirit Award. Alex has been inducted into the Gay and Lesbian Hall of Fame in Chicago and was a moderator during the Transgender Awareness Month at the Obama White House. Her autobiographical memoir, This Time for Me, was published this year, and she's currently an associate professor at USC and a Viewpoints associate professor at the Steppenwolf Theater. Alexandra is also someone I have come to admire so much over the past couple of years, not only because she's endlessly talented, but because she wears her heart and soul right on the surface where we can all learn from it. We recorded this episode at the end of Trans Awareness Week to bring some humanity to an identity that far too many in our society continue to treat with ignorance and cruelty. So without further ado, please welcome my guest, actress, teacher, singer, and fabulous outspoken activist, Alexandra Billings. Welcome, Alex. Hi, kids. I am so glad you're here. I'm crazy about you. Your approach to the world is so open-hearted and generous, and I'm just really grateful to get a chance to speak with you. I'm thrilled because, as I said, I'm unhealthily obsessed with you and have been watching you since the very beginnings of your of, of your career on the World Wide Web. And I have uh, literally, I, I, I told everyone, I first saw you and I predicted this. I told everyone this human is going to, and this is, you've just hit the tip of the iceberg of where you're going to end up in this business. You are the next uh, Walter Cronkite, as far as I'm concerned. I I, I think you have a, a, a finger on the pulse of the political prowess that is not just unique, but also necessary. The way you're able to explain politics is unlike anything I've ever heard before. Oh, thank you. I so I'm thrilled that so is much. my the reason I said all that. I'm just really no, happy. No, I'm glad you said all that because honestly, that's why I started the project. I wanted people to be engaged in politics. I want everyone talking about politics. It's the thing we were always told not to talk about. And yet that only serves the people who don't want us talking. So this is why I started the whole project, right? So yeah, listen, true. I was just, I was recently reading a comment from someone who had just read your book, your brand new book, and she loved it so much. And she gave it to her husband who proceeded to stay up all night reading because he said he was learning so much. And she publicly thanked you for being such a good teacher about a topic that she didn't and her husband didn't fully understand. And I connected with that because 
That's exactly what I'm trying to do with politics, right? To take issues that may feel complicated or overwhelming and explain them to people in a way that they can connect with. Because I believe when you understand something, then you can care about it. And change only happens when people care. I don't know what to say to you. You know, it's so interesting because when we talk about trans issues, uh, I don't understand it either. You know, people uh, people say uh, to me uh, and have said, I'm 60 years old. I began my transition in 1980. So I've been in this life for a very, very long time, a couple of generations now, almost two generations. And I have never understood <laughs> who we were or why we were. That has never made any sense to me. So I've never been very good at explaining uh, who we are and why we are. I think what I'm good at, I think, I hope what I'm good at is drawing a parallel between the human experience, which is you have this part of your culture and I have this part of my culture, but there is always a bridge. There is always something similar. I mean, I gotta be honest with you. I believe that about politics as well. I believe people on the far, far right, these ultra MAGA people, which by the way means nothing, but this ultra MAGA thing, I think that there is, I have those people in my family. Yeah. I, I, I think there is a bridge of understanding. There's a bridge of commonality that all of us, everybody's doing the best they can with what they know. The problem is not all of us know the stuff that's factual. That's the problem. That's right. That's right. And and the more we talk about it, the more we can actually know and the more we can find those bridges that you're talking about, that commonality, the humanity in it all. Uh, listen, as we talk today, I want to apologize up front if I make a mistake and I want to encourage you to stop and correct me because I'm sure you found over the years that even the most well-meaning allies blow it. And so I think a lot of people don't, <laughs> right? I mean, we do. And I think a lot of people don't end up learning because they're too afraid to make a mistake so they don't engage. And yeah. so I want to engage even if I make a mistake. Does that sound all right to you? I think that sounds great. And I, that's super brave. And that's exactly where we should start because, you know, the thing about uh, language is that it's malleable and it's very personal. It's, 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 everybody has their own history and their own relationship with it. So I'm never opposed to like, ooh, be careful, or that's great, or I've never heard that before. So yeah, let's do it. Okay, great. Okay, so you recently told a story on your TikTok, The Real Alexandra Billings, so everyone can follow you on that or Instagram, about how you first started dipping your toes into the world of the trans world when you were trying on things in your mother's closet as a child. And it made you feel so happy and so joyful. But then your parents found out and they were upset. And those negative feelings ended up transferring onto you. So can you talk to me a little bit about that? My best friend, Honey West, always says, who's also transgender, she always says, I never knew I was doing anything wrong until people told me. And that was, I think that's true with a lot of trans people that, you know, when you're a child, your imagination is applauded. And then when you become an adult, for some reason, your, imagine, your imagination becomes a detriment and people you know, tell you, stop dreaming, stop daydreaming, stop, you know, get to work. And luckily I picked a career where I'm a professional dreamer. I get paid to dream. It's true for me as a teacher and it's true for me as an actor. So all of that stuff that happened to me when I was a kid, I turned into a very lucrative job. Well but done you. My, yes. Well, I got very <laughs> lucky too. And I also had a lot of great guides, but also those moments when my parents said to me very clearly, stop doing that. 
I don't want to see you doing that anymore. Don't, don't, don't behave like that out there. And I don't want to see it. If you want to do it behind closed doors, that's fine. But I can't look at it because it never made any sense to me. I never stopped. I'm still this way. I have to have things explained to me. If they're, if they're not explained to me, then I'm just going to do it. I, I'm just going to do it. And I'm just going to do it. So I went through my whole life asking people, why is this bad? Why is this detrimental? Why is what I'm doing with my body and my physical and spiritual vessel a detriment to your life? And no one, as of yet, has been able to explain why. So I assumed because it was bringing me joy, and you couldn't tell me why it was bad for you, that I would just keep doing it. Ultimately, you end up having some negative feelings because they've been transferred onto you, right? The negative feelings, that's, yes, you're absolutely right. The negative feelings that I have, I now know are other people's voices. They're not mine. Mm. And they're not the truth. They're their truth. And so you have, everyone, I think, has to deal with those voices of, you're not going to make be a success at this. You're not going to be able to do this. You're not going to be able to fall in love this way. You're not going to be able, you can't have everything. I love when people say that you can't have everything. I do. I have everything. So that's not true right there. So I feel like if you decipher, if you say to you, put those voices in a container, put them in a container and decipher between what is your voice, what's you telling you and what's other people telling you. Because the problem is we begin to internalize those otherized voices and believe them. We yeah. start to think that they're the truth and they're not. Do you think that's helpful, more helpful for you now to be able to put them in the jar and sort of put them on a shelf than it was when you were younger? Because I think it's hard enough to be young in general, to be figuring out who you are. But the trans community really struggles, right? This 2019 national survey on LGBTQ youth found that more than half of the transgender and non-binary youth seriously considered suicide, right? Mm -hmm. A 2021 Williams Institute study reported that 30% of transgender youth had attempted suicide in the past year. And even if you make it safely through your youth, like you did, transgender adults are known to experience higher levels of depression and anxiety than their peers, with 41% of transgender adults having attempted suicide compared to 2% of the, say, general population. And so I, I feel like it is so unfair that we are putting all these negative feelings onto this already marginalized community who are just trying to live their truth and live their lives. They are then considering self-harm because of what we as a society have done to them. And I think it's hard enough to be young, but if you add that on top of it, do you think that it's the adult you that knows that? Or the, or did you feel different when you were a young you? Such a good question. I don't know that for me, I don't know that as a child, I understood any kind of results or ramifications to what I was doing. I just right. assumed, you know, when you're a kid and you're doing things, pretending or dreaming or, or, or finding what feels good in your spirit when you're when you're in that exploration i think you just continue to mine what feels great and the more you're told that's bad that's harmful to you that's harmful to me that's harmful to stop doing that the more you're told that the smaller 
your choices become. So I guess in answer to your question, it took a long time. Yes, as an adult. Yes, I understand it now. As a child, I don't think I did. And it took a long time. And I still have to practice it. It took a long time for me to go, you know, I'm, I'm not as damaged as I thought I was. And quite frankly, all of that damage has given me a great survival instinct. Yeah. The trans community doesn't live long. We don't have a long shelf life. We don't live long lives. There aren't a lot of transgender elders. There's a lot of gay elders, but there's a not, and not really a lot. We lost a, lot, uh, a, a whole generation in the 1980s and 1990s, but there's more of them than there are of us. We just don't exist. Most of us died in the 1980s and 1990s, and most, and the rest of us killed ourselves because there's no place for us to go. Yeah. It's really important also that everyone understand that when trans people commit, when they begin to off themselves, leave the planet, we do it in ways that are in, with absolutely no doubt permanent. What I mean is we jump off bridges. We hang ourselves in closets. There was a, 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 a girl, 16-year-old girl in high school, this was about five or six years ago, who stood in the middle of her high school hallway between classes, doused herself with gasoline and set herself on fire. So what this we isn't have to a, remember, This isn't a cry for help. I took too many pills. Someone will stop but, me. This is a decision to stop it all. And there is the such end. permanence and shame attached to the way we leave this planet. Yeah. There is, and that is due to the very specific political message we receive on a daily basis from most of the United States of America. And I mean, even our allies. Yeah. We receive that message. We live in a cisgender world, period, globally. But this country, what I mean is if you're not trans, you're cisgender. Um, cis meaning same, it's the Greek word for same, gender meaning like when you put those two words together, a lot of people consider this a, some kind of insult and it's not. It's just, it's like saying um, homo sapiens. It's just a category of, of humans, of, of the human experience. Right. It means you did not transition from the gender you were originally assigned at birth. So because we live in a cisgender world and we certainly live in a cisgender country, most everything you do throughout the day as a cisgender person tells a trans person we're not welcome. Yeah. Also, most cisgender people, and I say most like 90 something percent of the population in our country has been taught that every space, and I mean every space, belongs to them. Every space you walk into before you even enter it. And this is not about blame. Before you even enter it, it belongs to you. That's why we're still talking about bathrooms. I know. I mean, it's so ridiculous, but cisgender people, because this is what you've been taught, and you don't think about it, it's just true. I go to the Starbucks, that's my space. I, I belong there. I'm not going to get kicked out because I'm cisgender. I, I, I go to the gas station, I belong there. I go to my bedroom. I belong there. I go to church. I go to synagogue. I go to mosque. I, be I belong there. I walk outside. I belong there. And by doing that and not allowing a transgender conversation to happen, 
you send a very specific message to every trans person, non-binary, genderqueer, every trans person. This is, you can come in here, some of these spaces, but it's ours. Mm -hmm. It's ours. We claim it. We own it. We make the rules. It's true. Now, could you mind if I back up a little bit? Because I think that the audience and people who are listening might need some general facts that they might not know about the transgender community. You you kindly explained cisgender to us, right? But I want them coming out of this podcast knowing more than when they came in. So do you mind if I go over some things that you already know, but other people might not? Love it. Great. Okay. So feel free to jump in at any time. So I'm just going to give some basics for anyone that might be listening and think, I'm not exactly sure what she just said, gender queer, non-binary, like what does that mean? So Transgender people are people whose gender identity is different from the gender they were thought to be at birth. So when we're born, the doctor usually says we're male or female, depending on what our bodies look like. Most people are labeled male at birth. They actually turn out to be identifying as men when they're grown up. And most people who are labeled female at birth typically grow up to be women. But some people's gender identity, their innate knowledge of who they are, is different than what was initially expected when they were born. And most of these people will describe themselves as transgender. Does that seem copacetic? That's exactly right. And I can help everyone. I can whittle this down to one little sentence. Okay. Most of you who are watching or listening never consciously thought to yourself, I am going to act like a boy. You just behaved the way your physical and spiritual and emotional vessel told you to. So you were in answers to a dialogue that was happening quietly. And it happens all the time. You don't go out into the world and go, I'm going to, I'm going to go out as a boy. You do, Today I will be there. Yeah. Right. You just walk outside. You put on hey, clothes and you walk outside. <laughs> and that's been true your whole life. You may have thought occasionally, maybe I'm a tomboy. Maybe I like this. Maybe I like that. But very rarely was there a question in your brain, you just knew your gender was true. So the opposite is true for us. We always knew we were transgender. We always knew we were non-binary. We just knew that it wasn't a decision. We didn't walk out into the street and go, you know what, I'm gonna go out as a girl. We just went, oh, this is what I am. This is how I feel. This is how I'm going to behave. Right. So if you can look at your own journey and just replace all of your experiences with our experiences, we're not very far apart. No, not at all. I mean, a transgender woman lives as a woman. They just happen to be thought of as male at birth. A transgender man lives as a man. They were just thought to be female at birth. And some transgender people identify as neither male nor female as a common or as a combination of male and female. And there's a lot of terms that that people who aren't entirely male or entirely female use to describe their gender identity, like non-binary, meaning not one of the two binary choices, or genderqueer. But everyone, transgender or not, has a gender identity. And as you were saying, most people never think about their gender identity because it just happens to match their sex at birth. So they just think those two things are the same thing, but they're not the same thing. Your gender identity is not necessarily the gender you were assigned at birth. And that's a cousin to if you're, um, especially if you're a female, 
in the United States of America. If you're female, you have, have a very long list of behaviors that's expected <laughs> of you, especially the way you look, um, the way you behave emotionally. You have a very long list of, of, of things. And those trickle down into what you're allowed to do. Like um, you can't play football. Nobody really wants to see you do that for some unknown reason. Um, nobody really wants to see you box professionally. Um, they want to see you dance and they want to see you sing. And the, so there are certain things that you're, is okay. And there are other things like try not to do some of those things. So think of it this way. When you're a female and you're assigned female at birth and you're raised a female, and then all of a sudden one day you're in, I don't know, first or second grade and you go, ah, I really want to play football. I really, I don't know why, but that, I love that game. You don't want to be a boy. You just, you know, your gender's right. This is, you just want to behave in this way. So if you, if you look at the cousin of uh, what it's like to be trans or non-binary as here's the way I'm going to behave in society, it kind of builds a, 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 a little more common bridge between this is what's expected when you're when the doctor says male and this is what's true for you when right. the doctor says male right and i think it's really good to remember for a lot of people because they confuse this that gender identity and sexual orientation are also two completely different things your gender identity refers to your internal knowledge of your gender your knowledge that you are a man or a woman or another gender and sexual orientation has to do with who you are attracted to so just like non-transgender people transgender people have sexual orientations for example a transgender man someone who lives as a man today might be primarily attracted to other men and identify as a gay man or they might be primarily attracted to women and identify as a straight man, or they might have another sexual orientation. But I think it's important that we acknowledge that those are two completely different things. And I think sometimes people get that all tied up in their head as well. Sexual orientation is who you fall in love with. Gender identity is who you fall in love as. Oh, I love that, Alexandra. I love Thanks. that. That's really pretty. I think that's marvelous. You guys, I'm so excited to tell you about my Lomi. I got it a couple of weeks ago and it is so flippin' cool. Like you, I'm one of those people who wants to do better by the planet, but I'm not exactly sure how to go about it. We recycle like crazy in my house, but there's so much extra food waste that I know is releasing a ton of methane when it breaks down in a landfill, and that is terrible for the environment. This is where Lomi comes in. Lomi is a countertop electric composter that turns food scraps into dirt in under four hours. Our family has taken to putting food scraps in a Tupperware and then running the Lomi once, sometimes twice a day. There's no smell and when it runs, it's incredibly quiet. Lomi turns our food waste into nutrient-rich dirt that we can feed to our plants, put in the garden, or just throw in the trash. We actually just replanted a very forlorn-looking basil plant in the Lomi dirt, and it's completely sprung back to life. I love companies who make it their mission to help the world. Pila, the company that makes the Lomi, already makes biodegradable iPhone cases, so they really walk the walk. Now we have the Lomi, looking all cute on our counter, breaking down everything from banana peels to salmon without any damage to the environment. So if you want to join our family and start making a positive impact on the environment or just making cleaning up after dinner that much easier, Lomi is perfect for you. Head to Lomi.com slash politicsgirl and use the promo code politicsgirl to get $50 off your Lomi. That's $50 off when you head to Lomi.com slash politicsgirl and use the promo code politicsgirl at checkout. Food waste builds up. 
It's terrible for the environment and Lomi is the solution. And with the holidays just around the corner, Lomi might just be the perfect gift for someone on your shopping list. We can do better. Lomi is showing us how. I think we should probably remind people that when we're talking about the trans community, we want to make sure that we are using language uh, that the transgender person chooses for themselves. You said at the very beginning of the podcast that not everyone has exactly the same language. Not everyone uses exactly the same words to describe themselves. And we should always be following the lead of the transgender person and the language that they have chosen that's right for them. And then there's a lot of things that really are none of our business. And somehow people seem to think that once you've said that you're transgender, I now can ask you all of these impertinent questions that I really have no business asking because now you've shared this thing with me and so now I need to know everything about you, right? There are so many things that you wouldn't ask. You sort of have to turn it around on yourself. Like someone's sexual orientation might be shared, but it's not something you go poking around asking. Just like in any conversation, we might be curious about things, but that doesn't mean it's appropriate for us to ask about them. There's lots of topics, medical transition, life pre-transition, sexual activity. Those are intimate questions. So you need to ask yourself, do I need to know this information? Or how would I feel if somebody asked me this same question? Because is the question relevant to even treat someone respectfully? You know, like asking someone's name or their pronoun, that's always appropriate because we use that information to talk and interact with people. But you don't need to know your transgender coworker's surgical history just to be a normal human being around them. So just stop doing that, I think. There's lots of examples from this. I'm sure you have some ideas about how cisgender people can best interact with the trans community so that we don't keep putting our foot in our mouths, you know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. You know. Uh, uh, Yes, I do. Yes, I do. (laughs) Yes, I certainly do. I, I, I feel like here's the, this is what I, this is what I tell people. Treat other humans the way you, you would like to be treated. And then treat people you don't know that you're unfamiliar with that come from a different place like you would when you visit a different country. Mm. So these are different cultures. So you want to be curious, but you want to be kind. You want to be interested, but you want to be polite. Always consider yourself when you walk. This is what my mother always taught us. When you walk into someone's house, meaning their culture or their life, The first thing you do is you notice what the traditions are in the house, meaning, you know, when you walk into some people's houses, you take off your shoes, right? Or some people, um, you uh, don't hang up your coat, you hang it, hand it to somebody. Um, Sometimes when you're going for a dinner, you dress up. Sometimes you're going for, you know, a movie, you just wear jeans and a t-shirt. So you find all that stuff out before you go to their house. That's just being kind. So find out as much information as you possibly can before you go to someone's house. And then secondly, this is just etiquette as far as I'm concerned. If you're in a workplace and, because I can't tell you how many discussions I've had with, uh, about my genitals with complete strangers. I know, like what is happening? Complete (laughs) strangers in Starbucks, in coffee beans, at bus stops, at, in malls. I can't tell you how many people have walked straight up to me and talked about my genitals. <laughs> and welcome. so, yeah, welcome to my genitals. Yeah, hi. And so uh, I always try to say, if you're in a workspace, let's say, and you and someone has had surgery, any kind of surgery, 
the first thing when they come back, instead of saying, so how was the nose job? Because it really looks good. Instead <laughs> of that is, how are you feeling? How are you doing? How is your day? How are things going? Can I get you anything? Okay, bye. And know that if there's something they want to tell you, they will. Right. It's it's it feels like it's complicated only because and I understand why it feels like it's complicated. I really do. Yeah. I've always understood that. It feels like it's complicated because we are we are such fascinating and I mean this about human beings. We are such fascinating animals all of us and we are fascinated with each other. And I really believe that that's part of why we like to get into each other's, you know, all of us this is maybe a reference uh, that may be a little old for you, but we're all, of, all of us like Gladys Kravitz. We're all like, there's an old show called Bewitched. Oh. With, um, that was a yes. That was about this witch that moved into a suburban neighborhood. who married. Yes, a I get compared man. to her a lot. The little. Uh, yes. You look very much like Elizabeth <laughs> Montgomery. Very much. And she had a neighbor called Mrs. Kravitz, Gladys Kravitz. And she was sort of the nosy neighbor. And she would always peer, you know, and look and see what's going on over the Stevens house because things were flying around and people were wearing wigs. It was very strange. And so all of us, I feel like, are Gladys Kravitz. We all want to know what's going on next door. We all want to have the telescope, but we don't want to get caught. See? And if they're doing something in that house and we're like, they're, that looks like fun. How come? Why don't I do that? Sometimes we get filled with jealousy. I want to do, I want to do that in my house. And then, depending on our history, sometimes we're so filled with jealousy and envy that we leave our structure and we wait for them downstairs and we go, hey, listen, I see what you're doing over there. I don't like it. I don't like it. And and I have a five-year-old, and my five-year-old can see you. And I don't like the example you're sitting for my five-year-old. So I need you to stop that because it is really bothersome. It's upsetting. And, and, and I don't like it. So I want you to stop. And that's politically where we're at, exactly. where, which I mean, it's been true for decades, but that's politically where, we at, where we're at, like on the mountaintop with the bullhorn because of yeah. Mr. Trump. When he mm -hmm. came down that escalator, he went, racists, homophobes transphobes here we go i'm here and he just the call was out honey yeah and they have always been here they've just been we've been able to keep them, keep them aside for a while but now they have a, a leader and a guide so now all the gladys kravitzes are the curtains are drawn honey and they've got five or six telescopes going at the same time in five or six different apartment buildings and they're writing notes they're like apartment 4a i'm not crazy about them we'll visit them at two o'clock apartment and <laughs> oh there and i keep telling them all you're upsetting yourself for no reason here's the great thing here's a it's just a suggestion you can do whatever you want it's your life but here's a suggestion in order to keep some serenity in your house, close your blind. Alex, <laughs> such good advice. Wouldn't we all be a little bit better with our closed blinds? Instead close of our... your gold darn blind. Yeah, maybe less closed minded, more closed blinded. Um, there you go. <laughs>
But listen, for those people who don't know, what Alex is talking about is that 2021 was a record-breaking year for anti-trans legislation, right? These Gladys Kravitzes are coming out and they're writing laws, right? So these bills are restricting access to bathrooms, to locker rooms, to participating in sports. Some are prohibiting gender-affirming health care, while others are trying to force educators to refer to transgender students by their biological sex or restrict LGBTQ teaching materials. Right-wing politicians have pushed a lot of these bills in their desire to kind of keep up the culture war. I mean, with the Senate recently, like this week, just advancing legislation that would provide federal protections for same-sex and interracial marriage with the Respect for Marriage Act, the winds are clearly changing in some places, but without gay marriage as the hot-button divisive culture war issue, the far right has turned their hate machine onto the transgender community, marginalizing this already marginalized group because they found that this kind of hate really works to galvanize people. And and it's it's so deeply unfortunate. I mean, in 2022, At least 15 states have restricted access to gender-affirming care. And gender-affirming care is essential. It's just saying like, hey, we acknowledge that you are feeling a certain way. And we say, that's fine. You feel that. It's affirming how they're already feeling about themselves. And to tell them that they're not allowed to feel that way, that we're going to try and convert you back to the way you think you should be feeling, is so detrimental to people's sense of self and well-being. These In 2022, we have laws that would restrict access to gender-affirming care. Some of these laws are carrying penalties for healthcare providers. Some are carrying penalties for the families. The Florida Medical Board, just under the urging of Governor DeSantis, just approved a rule that would ban transgender people under 18 from receiving hormones or undergoing surgery as treatment for gender dysphoria. Last spring, Arizona access, they restricted all access to gender-affirming care for minors. I'm hoping that will adjust now with the the election, but we will see what happens. Mm -hmm. Arkansas has banned gender-affirming care for transgender youth, and there's a trial coming up to fight that. It's as though these state lawmakers are trying to legislate trans people out of existence or out of the state through their policies. And we see after study after study that transgender children who get hormone therapy enjoy better mental health than those who don't. We see that these bills that target young people don't represent the majority of the sentiment of the people of the country. People don't really feel like we should be interfering with young people or other people's parenting. But it's still moving along like this is a majority sentiment, like we all want to interfere in everybody's life. They're whipping up this nonsense about other people's families and other people's lives that we have no business being in. And like you said, we need to be closing those curtains and stop implanting ourselves in other people's decisions, other people's families, and other people's very, very personal choices. And we see that everywhere from the abortion care stuff to the transgender care stuff. And it's just this need to direct the way people live their lives. And it's not productive. And I'm sure you have a lot of thoughts on that. Or maybe so, no thoughts. Maybe you're like, I, I want nothing I have, to do with this I, Well, <laughs> well kind of. I get you. When I was about 14 years old, I lived in Schaumburg, Illinois, which was a little suburb in in uh, Chicago, Illinois, very suburban, very middle-class, upper-middle-class, very white, um, no gays. They weren't allowed. And uh, That you knew of. They, yeah, they just, they got them out. And, and no one of color, just like, we got to get all those people out of here. 
except for us, who was a mixed race family, but because we are light skinned, that's a whole other set of issues. And my whole life for those 14 years had been spent believing I was the cause of an incredible amount of pain in my house, that my mother was in pain because of me, my father, my stepfather, my brother, who was one of my first bullies, I believe beat me because I deserved it. I was creating a lot of pain at school. Um, the boys were always either beating me up or tripping me down the hallway or shoving me in lockers because I was doing this terrible thing. I was doing this terrible, terrible thing. There was no such thing. This was back in the 1970s. So there was no such thing as representation. or I mean, there was no RuPaul's drag race. There was no Laverne Cox. There was nothing. I didn't have anything. I thought I was crazy. I thought I was crazy. And conversely, I thought I was bad. So I said, all right, look, the best thing for me to do is leave the planet. So one afternoon on a Friday at about three o'clock in the afternoon, there's a reason I know why that's true. I went into my mother's uh, medicine cabinet, got a big fistful of pills and sat on the edge of my bed and held them in my hand. And I turned on my TV because I'm a TV baby. And on my television came this guy named Phil Donahue. Now, back in the day, Phil Donahue was a talk show host who was Oprah before Oprah was Oprah. He was it. He was the guy. And he had on these guests that people just, it was mind blowing the kind of, he had white supremacists on. He had, I mean, it was crazy the kind of guests he had. But he was very much into education and he was very kind. And he had these three women on that were the most beautiful women I had ever seen in my life. But they were like, but their hair was blah, and they, had blah, they were lashed and lipped and lined and pulled and sparkly and big, huge earrings. And I thought, these are the most fabulous strippers I've ever seen in my life. And funny and smart and interesting and witty. And the audience would ask these questions that I thought were a little strange. And one of the women, I remember, stood up and said to Phil, as Phil was holding the microphone, she asked the three women, so what bathroom do you use? And at first I thought, strippers have their own bathroom? I didn't know that. <laughs> That's, <weird. laughs> That's odd. Odd. And uh, then, of course, I came to find out that these three women were trans women. And I sat there with these pills in my hand. And I looked at the TV and I said out loud, oh my God, there I am. There I am. I saw myself growing up. I saw myself happy and funny and smart and on TV. And sparkly, man. You're and so shiny sparkly. And sparkly and, You're so and, sparkly. And with things happening. And I put the pills down. Oh. Alex. And I tell that story to people who say healthcare for trans children should not be true. Because I'll tell you something. Had one doctor, one said to me, you know what, Alex, you're not crazy. 
you're not crazy. One, it would have saved me four separate times of trying to leave the planet. Four before I was 18 years old. So I remind people, this is not about surgery. I'm not talking about having surgical anything happen to children. That's ridiculous. And it's not a conversation that, first of all, it doesn't ever happen. We need to be really clear. There isn't one single case where a child has been touched surgically because they are transgender or non-binary. Not one single case in the United States of America, it doesn't exist. So that's not happening. And I am not for that happening. I am not an advocate for that. I'm an advocate for a nine-year-old to sit down with an actual physician and the physician to say, you know what, we're going to start you on dressing the way you want to dress. And then you're going to come back and we're going to talk about it. And then later, we're going to start you on maybe how your hair and you want to look, maybe your hair is different. And that's how we're going to approach healthcare psychologically, emotionally, and spiritually with these trans children so they can begin to assimilate into society and still be their individual self. That's what I'm for. If you remove any chance of normalcy from our community, we will continue to leave the planet. Yeah, absolutely. And that's exactly what we should be for. Because telling someone that the part of who they are or who they feel that they are is wrong or delusional and forcing them to change is deeply dangerous. And it causes children to, like you said, want to leave the planet, to have lasting depression, to lead to substance abuse or self-hatred. I can't tell you. I'm sorry it's to interrupt you. Fair. There, but I can't, no. I, I can't tell you. I, I I played Madame Morble in Wicked on Broadway last yes, year. Yes, you did. And it was a thrill. And and it was a thrill. It was great to do the show. I love doing the show. It was mind-boggling. I can't believe I got a chance to do it. But I'll tell you. Walking out the stage door and seeing six-year-olds, seven-year-olds, eight-year-olds who were trans kids with their parents who were young enough to be my children. So these children were are young enough to be my grandchildren. For them to have watched a 60-year-old brown transgender woman living with HIV now for over 30 years, which is in my bio. Yes, I know. In a major, big, like major hit Broadway musical that's been running for 18 years. And then for me to walk out and for them to stand, for us to be together and share space, that is the very definition of sacred. One of these parents, I'll never forget this as long as I live, One of these parents turned to me with tears in her eyes and her little girl was dressed in this little fairy princess costume with like with wings, the whole thing. Coming to Wicked, I'm not sure why she was dressed as a fairy princess, but- That's that's how she wanted to dress. That's how kids are. Today we are this. Exactly, that's what happened. I don't have children, so what do I know? So she was dressed in her thing and I was like, you look amazing. What is happening? You look amazing. And her mother, who is maybe, I don't know what, maybe 30 something, again, young enough to be my child, said to me, I have to tell, very quietly, I have to tell you something. Chelsea, which was her daughter's name, has never even met another trans person before. 
let alone someone that she could say, wow, I can be an actor. Like I can be, I can be an actor. I can pretend, which is why she was dressed as a very princess because she loves to pretend. I can pretend for a living. So you cannot take away our examples of who we are, the representation of where we're going, unless you want to annihilate every chance of who we hope to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that is why the transgender people becoming more visible in the media and in their communities around the country. And the more transgender people are able to name and understand their own experience, the more Chelsea's that can see Alex's on the stage, see Alex's not just as actresses, but as successes, as as worthy members of society who are being held up by the world, um, the more comfortable they're going to be to share their own experiences and grow. And the more older transgender people we will have, the more elderly transgender people we will have that'll come all the way down. And that's why it's so essential. Shows like Transparent that you did and famous trans celebrities like you and Laverne Cox and people like that are so essential that representation and visibility really does truly matter. And it matters not just to people in the trans community, but people who are in the cisgender community that can see people living their lives and respect them for that. Because at the end of the day, it all comes down to respect. I think people want to be good allies, but they're afraid of making mistakes and it shuts them down. And we want them to go out into the world and be your advocates and be respectful and be there. And if they hear somebody saying the wrong pronoun, they say, actually, um, it's it's this instead of that. Or if they see someone being, uh, if they're a trans joke, it's the same way we would treat a racist joke or a homophobic joke. We say like, yo, yo, we're not doing that. We're not doing that anymore. Like that's what good allies need to be that. doing. That's what we need to be doing in this world. Something that really resonated with me before you go, I want to say you put up this thing on TikTok and I think it just made so much sense to me. There was a feminist making the argument that trans women aren't women by the very nature that we have to say trans before it. And the piece cuts to a man who's basically explaining grammar, right? And he says, yeah. listen, Trans is simply an adjective to describe the noun, which is woman. Like if I said, there is a car, and then I said, there is a red car, it doesn't make it any less of a car. I've just given you more information about the noun, right? So if I say, there is a woman, and then I say, there's a tall woman, you're not like, well, she's no longer a woman because she's tall. No, no, she's still a woman. You just now have more information about said person. So if I say... Here's Alexandra. She is a beautiful, tall, trans woman. It doesn't make you any less of a woman. It just means I know more about you. I have a fuller picture. And I thought that was such a great example to get into our heads because people get really confused. And I thought, let's not get confused. This is a great example. You put it up. And I thought, we're going to share that. Now, finally, we're ending this during Trans Awareness Week. So what do you, beautiful, lovely human, want us to be aware of as we go forward into this world? Oh, I love that question. I, I just want to echo something that you said, um, that you just said, which I think is really beautiful, which is allies, don't be, don't be afraid to talk to us. Don't be afraid to, to stumble. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to say the wrong thing. It's really okay. We say the wrong thing to each other all the time. <laughs> That's good to know. <laughs> so many know. times. I can't tell you just this happened like just a month ago with uh, one of my classes 
but these are actors, you know, so they're like liberal tree hugging, weeping artists that, you know, they're 20 years old. They're like, oh, my life. So, I know, love them. Oh, my God. They're the most empathetic, kind humans on the planet. And and they came up to me collectively. And there's about 20 of them. And they said, um, Professor Billings, um, you know, every day when we start this, we have a ritual that we open class with to bless the space. Every day we do that. We're always hoping that we can go around the circle and say our pronouns. And I went, oh, my. <laughs> I say, I we, oh, my God. And they were like, no, 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 no. No, it's totally okay. And I went into the, you know, thing that we like, all go spy. into. Like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. You know? And they were like, calm down. Everything's fine. Sit it down. It's fine. It's like, don't make it a thing. Just like fix it. <laughs> so we do it all the time. So when you do it, don't do what I just did and fall all over yourself. Like if you say he and someone says no, it's she. Don't don't do the whole slow motion. So stupid. stupid. Just like yes. Yeah, just go. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. She. And then just make the correction. And then if you have trouble in ingesting the gender in front of you because of whatever history you have, just ask their first name and call them their first name. So in essence, what I'm saying is for this week, it's all about awareness. Know we're here, acknowledge we're here, know that spaces belong shared and to all of us. And every space you walk into is divinely blessed by a power that's bigger than all of us on the planet, that's the only thing that can decide who owns what. So give up your ego and allow us all to come together as a community. Yeah, we'll all be served by that, by adding many colors to the rainbow, many aspects to our salad. No one wants a salad with just lettuce. That's I mean, honestly. boring. That boring. is very boring. boring. Okay, well, that seems like a great place to leave it. Thank you so much for joining me, Alex. I, I hope everyone will read your book. We didn't even have the time to talk about your book this time for me, which honestly, people need to read it. But follow you on social media, follow you at The Real Alexandra Billings, and get more of your joyful, open-minded perspective, and add some color to your life, add some knowledge to your head, and just add some great people to your existence. Congratulations on all your success, and I hope I get a chance to speak to you again so soon. I would love that, my friend. Thank you for this. This was amazing. Thank you so much for this. So that was the fabulous Alexandra Billings, representing just one wonderful voice in a litany of voices in our trans community. The trans community who deserves our respect and support as they go about living their lives from a place of honesty and truth. Alex reminds us that being a good ally doesn't mean you won't get things wrong. Everyone gets things wrong. If you blow it, make the correction and try again. Just like there's no one way to be transgender, there's no one way to be an ally. The bottom line is, be respectful. You don't have to understand someone's identity to respect it. If you don't get it, educate yourself. If you still don't get it, then mind your business. Ultimately, the world is better when we make room for all of us. I wanna thank Alex for joining me today and you for caring enough to learn new things. Ultimately, we need to spend more time making this country better for everyone than focusing on making it worse for some. We need more happy little girls at stage doors and less sad children with a handful of pills. And I believe we can do that with our attitude and our voices and our vote. Until next week, peace.
PG out. The Politics Girl podcast is written and performed by me, Lee McGowan, in partnership with the Midas Media Network and produced and edited by Happy Warrior Entertainment. All rights reserved.